just give you praise and honor and glory because we stand here in your presence right now. And we know and we declare that there is nothing on this earth that we should be afraid of because you stand with us. Your hand is our comfort and our guide. And we just thank you for that. Because you're so good to us. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was wrong. Father, we are beyond grateful for the love that we feel from you, the love you've shown us, the love that we cry out to you with. Father, thank you for the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Thank you for our salvation, God. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Thank you that you impart the Holy Spirit to live within us, to lead us, guide us, instruct us and bless us. Father, we just pray your blessing over this congregation, everyone watching online, and Lord God, those that couldn't make it, we pray that you would encourage them to get out of their slump and out of their depression and get back with the people of God to be encouraged by your spirit. Father, we thank you for those that minister to us through music and song. And Father God, that speak deep into our heart with these songs that bring us right to the foot of Jesus. So Lord, now that we're at your feet, we cry out to you and we say, forgive us of our sins. Prepare our hearts for communion. And Father God, we pray for those that are less fortunate, those that are hurting during this time, those that are overwhelmed and need your love and peace. Father God, we pray for the love of Jesus to just permeate this place. As we take communion, God, we do so thinking, Father God, of the promises that you have left us and you have given us and we hold it dear to. So, Father, fill this place with your majesty. 
We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Quietly be seated as we take communion. It was a Passover meal and Jesus had sent the disciples to prepare for it. And in the meal, they used to put three pieces of bread and he pulled out the middle one. That was the Messiah bread. And they looked like, wow, why is he using the Messiah bread? They don't use that one until the Messiah is here. But he was trying to communicate to them that he was, is, and forever will be the Messiah. The promise of God, the goodness of God, the peace of God, and the fellowship of God. So we thank God for what he has done. And today we likewise hold the bread and we remember the words that the Lord said. He gave thanks and he gave it to the disciples saying, take this all of you and eat it for this is my body. Father, we know that you died to forgive our sins, but you also died to provide our every need. You also died to give us a life and life in abundance. So God, I pray that Lord, you minister to everyone here and everyone online that they might experience that abundant life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This is the body of Christ. You made the bread. He likewise took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, take this all of you and drink from it for this is my blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So he was saying, I'm pouring myself out as a new covenant. I'm making a promise that I'm going to meet your every need, but I'm going to make that promise and seal it with my blood that I'm going to come back for my church I'm going to come back for you so God we hold this cup with great anticipation of that gathering when you come to get your saints Father we love you and we welcome you into our life every moment and we pray in Christ's glorious name this is the blood of Christ you may drink of the cup Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, what you've done, and how you minister. Might we continue to glorify your name. Amen. Stand to your feet and continue to worship. And let's sing that song out again. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Amen. You were buried for three days, but then you rose right out again. And now death has no sting, and life has no end. For I have been trampled by the blood of the Lamb.
we're good but because you are good because it's a constant reminder Lord of what you have done for us Lord what you have paid Lord that debt that you paid on my behalf Lord on our behalf to stand here today Lord and give you thanks and give you glory Lord it's all good Lord because you are good and so Father we stand here today Lord to give you the glory and to give you the honor and the praise Lord that you deserve Receive that worship, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that you would receive our worship here today, Lord, and our adoration to you, Lord, as we humble ourselves in your presence, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord, for this time of worship with our brothers and our sisters, Heavenly Father. We cry out, Lord, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, can we celebrate what the Lord has done this morning? Amen. And while you're at it, why don't we just welcome each other into the house of the Lord today with the time of just greeting. Oh, my God, you did not. Good morning, good morning, church. Thank you so much for being with us here today. You know, I love seeing you guys here and worshiping with us and then greeting each other. It feels like a real family here. It's really amazing. If this is your first time here, thank you so much for joining our family today. My name is Javier, and this is Lena. I call her Manny because that's her nickname, and I called her Manny in the first service, and they really thought that her name was like Manuel or something. So upgraded to Manuel now. It's actually Manuel. So this is Lena, a.k.a. Manuel. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, guys. We have some announcements for you today. So the first one, uh, next Sunday, we're having baptisms as well as meet the pastor. And guys, this is just a declaration of our faith that's already been established in Christ. Uh, if you have not been baptized, we'd really encourage you to look into that and be a part of that, uh, to really take that next step in your, uh, step in your faith. That one's on again. Uh, that next step, step in your faith. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, you can um, look online on our website. Uh, also, uh, we do have a sign-up sheet for that. Or, um, am I right? Yes. Yes, okay. Uh, sign-up sheet. <laughs> and um, you can sign up online. So uh, we'd really like you to be a part of that. And just, like I said, take, take that next step. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. My mic died. So... <laughs> um, in addition to that, next Sunday we are also beginning our Advent season, which is super exciting, church. So please be on the lookout for our announcements for our Christmas Eve service and for um, our Christmas um, events. So if uh, you just come to service, check out online, check our, just check our app for updates. We'll be getting that information out to you starting next week. And uh, finally, we do have a few ministries that we want to highlight for you guys. Uh, that we would love to, for you to be a part of. The first is the angel tree. And uh, I don't know if you've seen it out in the lobby. It's that little Christmas tree we have with the little paper angels on it. And uh, what that is is a ministry we have to uh, reach out to the children of those who are incarcerated in our city 
It's a really incredible ministry, guys. It really touches the lives of those who are really in need in a time of, um, of giving. And uh, for a lot of people, guys, that aren't as blessed as us or unfortunate as us, Christmas can be a really tough time, especially if they have a parent or a loved one in jail. Uh, so what that is is that we sponsor a gift for uh, the person in prison and that is sent from them uh, to, to their family. And uh, it's a really incredible way to touch lives, guys. I'd really encourage you to look into that. When you do, grab an angel off the tree, fill it out, bring it back with the gift, and you'll be a part of that great ministry. And um, the deadline to bring the gifts back is going to be December 4th, which is two weeks from today, because we are planning on distributing those gifts to the children and their families on December the 9th, which I believe that they are doing an event here. So church, you are also absolutely welcome to come to that and just share the love of Christ with these kids that are in need of it. Um, And then on top of that, we are also having a couple other um, holiday ministries for our city this season. Um, and so we're frontline resurrection is actually, they're doing a coat drive right now. So if you have any gently used coats, or if you feel pulled to go even buy new coats, they're taking infant sizes all the way up to adult sizes. So if you feel the need, or if you want to donate, we have a box available right out in the mall. You can just drive, drop it in there. And that's just one more coat. Someone gets to stay warm this holiday season, which is amazing. Um, and then uh, God's Warehouse is also doing a toy giveaway, which is very cool. I like, I mean, I like toys when I was growing up, so I don't know a kid that doesn't. So uh, if you have any gently used or, or brand new toys, boys or girls, doesn't matter, um, you can donate those also to God's Warehouse. They'll take those, and um, honestly, these are just really great ministries to be able to spread that love of Christ to these families that are in such desperate need for it. Um, we are we are his body. We are we are the ones who represent him. We are we are his ambassadors, and so it's important that we do these things to reach out to our community and to the people who don't know Christ or have or have met a a, a just completely wrong version of him. Um, and so it's important that we we be that voice for him. Um, so church, I encourage you, please, if if you can't. Uh, participate monetarily, even just being present is more than enough, is more than enough for anybody to feel loved. Um, But again, we wouldn't be able to do this without your faithful offering and giving and and tithing. Um, We have our tithing boxes at every exit, and we also have it available online and through our app. Um, Church, we wouldn't be able to do any of this without you. We can't keep these lights in the building on, and we certainly couldn't keep the light of Christ on outside of these four walls. So thank you again, church. Um, that is all that we have for announcements. So without further ado, can we just give Pastor, Pastor Richard a big, warm welcome this morning? Thank you, Javier. Thank you, Lena. God is so amazingly good. Um, I want you to know, because of your giving and tithing, we're able to really do a lot of outreach. And one of the things we did yesterday, we distributed 105 Thanksgiving food baskets. So thank you all very, very much. Uh, Some of you have been asking, do we have any left? Unfortunately, everything has been given out. So thank you very much for your support, your cooperation, and just your love and blessing. Because to see the faces of the people that came and see the joy of them receiving 
uh, and their gratitude is simply amazing. Uh, guys, uh, at this time, I want to release the young people to be dismissed, to go to your class. Uh, they have a great time of worshiping the Lord, and they come with us to worship. But then all the from sixth grade up to 12th grade, you're dismissed to go to the youth service at this time. And uh, guys, I, I just want to, uh, I'm, I'm preaching a sermon today because a lot of people have asked, Pastor, how have you and Pastor Cindy come to this point in life? What brought you to Albuquerque? How did you guys get here? And what are some of the things that you guys went to, went through and to, to get from Corpus Christi, Texas to the South Valley and then to Carlisle location and now here to this one? And the only thing I can say is that we had to cross a lot of lines, cross lines into greatness. You see, God has amazing things for us. He has great things for us. He has great promises for us. God has put and birthed the vision into a lot of us, and sometimes we don't know what to do with that. I know that uh, Cindy and I were in Corpus Christi, Texas, and um, I'll never forget one time I used to go preach in the jails every Sunday and it was a Saturday night, and I'm working there, working on my uh, sermon, and just sitting there, and, and I just have noise in the background that takes care of my, the busy side of my brain that wanders. And, uh, and Cindy goes, hey, Richard, she was watching Fantasy Island. And some of you remember the plane, you remember? Okay, she's watching Fantasy Island, and she says, Richard, what's your greatest fantasy? And I said, I'd love to pastor uh, Spanish Church of God someday. And she goes, really? I go, yeah, because we used to go to a Spanish church. It was Iglesia de Dios. And I said, man, I would love to pastor a Spanish church someday. She went, wow. Well, then we we had prayed, and I had gone to work. And, um, you know, I and I, I used to be in the insurance business. I was a junior vice president over 24 offices. And I had... Uh, Stepped down from that when I became a Christian because I learned to do business with alcohol in my hand. And that's how I did it. And I, I, I became an alcoholic and I, I didn't know how to break away from that. So I just quit my job and I went to work for a chemical plant and I was working in the engineering department of this chemical plant. And, um, it, I, you know, we, it was open 24 hours a day and that particular night, I was working the, the, the graveyard shift, and, and it's midnight, and I'm overlooking the, the, the Bay Area of the Gulf of Mexico there in Corpus Christi, Texas, and I'm looking out, and everything was so calm that night. The water was just beautiful. I could see the lights of the city reflecting off of it, and I just said, Lord, I love you so much. I love doing your work 100%. I want to do your work 100%. I don't even know what I meant by that. I don't, I, I don't, like, I didn't mean I want to become a pastor. I want to go into ministry 100%. I, I just said, I want to do your work 100%. And I was going into jails every week. I was going into the prisons. I was, uh, I was preaching. Uh, we had a band, a gospel band. Cindy was a drummer. My wife was a drummer. And, and uh, I, I sang and I, I preached. And we were touring. We were going all over Texas. We came to New Mexico and Arizona, and, and God was really using us. And, and that particular night, I, I came home from work, and I woke Cindy up, and it's probably 1.30 in the morning, and I go, Cindy, I really need for you to pray with me. She goes, you have a bad day at work? I go, no, I have, I have absolutely phenomenal day. 
And I go, I, I just want you to pray that we could do God's work 100%. She goes, what do you mean? I go, I don't even know what I mean. I don't know. I don't know what I mean. I just, that keeps running in my head, doing God's work 100%, 100%, 100%. And I was giving God 100%, but anyway, we prayed that. And a week later, I get a phone call from Dr. David Telfer. He was a leader in the Church of God. He said, I'm here in uh, Oregon and uh, at a convention, and your name keeps coming up of how God is using you there in the Gulf area of, New, of Texas. And we have a church building in, El, in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and the church closed. And we'd like to reopen it, and we'd like to offer you that job. And it's at 10, 15 at night. So I'm thinking it's this dude pranking me, and I'm like, Billy, orale, man, come on, dude. And he's like, oh, really? This is Dr. David Telfer. And I'm like, yeah, right. How'd you get my number? And I go, it's 10.15 over here. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. I'm over here on the uh, West Coast, and it's only 8, you know, 8.15 over here. I thought it was earlier. But anyway, so we got on our knees and prayed again. And next thing you know, here we are in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I want you to know there was a bunch of lines we had to cross to get here. And that's what I want to preach about today. And I'm going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to start with verse 8. Because the very first line we had to cross, we had to cross the line of the fear of the unknown. Look what it says right there in verse 8 through 10. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed, the, obeyed God when he told him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. And he went without knowing where he was going. You hear that? And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking for, for, uh, forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God himself. Lord, bless this time together in your word. I pray in Christ's name, amen. We're gonna go through these next few passages from, from verse eight through verse 16 in, in Romans 8, uh, 11, because you have to cross the line of the unknown. Abraham was 75 years old, and God says to him, I wanna uproot you, I want you to go and I want you to go to this new land. And he's got to come to his wife and say to Sarah, and, and at that time he was known as Abram and she was known as Sarai. And she sa he says, Sarai, God is saying to me that we need to go to a place, a new place. And he's like, well, where do we go? He goes, I don't know. Let's just follow God and we'll know when we get there. I don't know about you guys. You must have... Your wife has to have complete trust in you to say, babe, pack the bags. Where are we going? I don't know. Uh, well, when are we leaving? Real soon. And when are we going to get there? I don't know. We'll know when we get there. Man, she believed in him so much. She said, let's go. And they also took 318 families with them. This was trust. They believed in Abraham, and he crossed the line of the unknown. He had no idea where he was going to go, and that's exactly how Cindy and I felt. When we moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, we didn't even have a friend of a friend here. We didn't know anybody. 
We moved here not knowing, you know, if you go someplace, you at least have a friend and they go, hey, dude, if anything happens, call this dude. He's a, my relative. He's my friend or he, he, he'll help you. We didn't know anybody. And we got here and we had a three-month-old baby. And we got here on a Wednesday night, the 7th of July. And on the 9th of July, I was packing, unpacking boxes. And I was in, in what was the house had like an office. And all of a sudden, I hear a car squealing, squealing its tires. And next thing I know, it ran into our fence and into our house. And I'm like, welcome to the 505. <laughs> welcome to Albuquerque. Man, it was 1 o'clock in the morning. And I run outside. And this dude's trying to get away. And he was... He was inebriated, which means he was drunk. And, and I'm like, dude, chill out, dude, chill out. You're not going anyplace. I already called the police. And the police came and make a long story short, I was like, wow, welcome to Albuquerque. Here we are. <laughs> now, I had only been a Christian a year and nine months. I hadn't even been a Christian two years yet. I was already a pastor. I didn't have a clue what to do. I came here so green. I was green, green, green. I didn't know anything. And I was still in Bible college trying to become a pastor, and I was taking classes, and I was, I, the church couldn't pay me, so I, I used up all of our savings. Next thing you know, I'd go walking one, two, three miles every day around the neighborhood and passing out tracks and collecting cans because I had to buy Similac for our baby, and I didn't have money to do it, so I was collecting cans. And, and some of you have been there. You know what that's like. And, and yet, we knew we were where we were supposed to be. We had to cross the line of the unknown. My wife has always supported me. She's believed in me. When we were in El Paso, Texas, and I got promoted, and it made me junior vice president, they go, but you have to move 1,000 miles away to Corpus Christi, Texas. Cindy says, I'm with you, babe. Let's go. And all of a sudden, I felt a call here to Albuquerque. I go, babe, I really believe God wants us in Albuquerque. She said, so do I. Let's go. Man, she has always been by my side and cheered me on in spite of the unknown because we trusted God for the things that we didn't know. We got here, and I was still studying, and I'll never forget one time we were at a Bible study, and this guy goes, hey, pastor, you know in the book of Nehemiah? And I go, yeah. Now, I had already taken Old Testament survey so I knew the book of Nehemiah was in the Old Testament, but I didn't know where it was. And here I was, a pastor. And the guy's asking me questions, and I'm looking it up in the table of contents. Nehemiah, Nehemiah. Oh, look. Okay, page 642. Good. I found it. You know, I didn't even know where it was. I'm like, oh, God in heaven, please help me, Lord. Help me. And God has helped me. And he let me finish my degree, and then he helped me get my master's. And I got my doctorate, and then they even gave me an honorary doctorate on top of that, and God has really been good to me, but, but you know what, man? We came not knowing where we were going. We didn't have a clue. We didn't know how to do ministry. We didn't know what to do. It was, it was, it was violent in those days there in the South Valley. The South Valley was nuts. They were shooting every week. There was shootings. One night, I was going to church, and it was a Wednesday night, and I'm, it, it's, it's summer, and I'm, I'm going to open up the church, and it was like about 5.30. We had service at 7, and as I'm, I put the key in the door, I'll never forget it as long as I live. I put the key in the door, and as I'm putting the key in the door, 
I hear a truck or oh, I just hear the tires of a vehicle come to a screeching halt. I'm like, whoa, man, that dude's driving nuts. And then I hear screaming. And then after the screaming, then I hear gunshots, three of them. And they were from a shotgun. Boom, 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 man. So I run around the corner and a truck sped away. This dude was in the back of the truck. He had the shotgun and they took off and I run over there and there was a young family and they were out to shoot the dad and the dad was a gangster and they were it was a gang war and he jumped under the car and they said if we can't get you we'll get your family he had a little six-month-old baby in a playpen and a four-year-old kid and they shot him and it was with a shotgun so they're from a distance so but they had bb pellets all over him and they were bleeding and the mom the mom screaming the dad's uh, i go dude take your kids to the hospital the ambulance will take too long so she gets in the back seat, and I give the baby to her and the four-year-old. I strap him in, and the dad took off. And I'm sitting there with blood on my hands and thinking, we're going to go into the church, and we're going to sing, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. And they're shooting six-month-old and four-year-old kids a stone's throw from our church. So I told the church, you know what, guys? We have to reach the cholos for Christ, man. And they go, no, you're crazy, pastor. You're crazy. Some of those are our children, and they're mean. They're mean. They're nuts, pastor. I go, then I'm going to do it. So that night after church, I'll never forget, I said, pray for me. And right behind our church, right behind our church, there was a, it, it was a, a, a lot that no one occupied so it was kind of like an alley because it connected the Baca Circle and, and Gallegos Road, and all the cholos used to party there. So after church, it was there was only about 18 people at the church at that time. We had just started, and, and, and they all hugged me, and they go, we love you, Pastor. You take care. Be careful. Like if I was going off the war. And they go, <laughs> they go, you are going off the war. I go, I'll be all right. They go, this pastor's crazy, you know. So I go over there, and, and I'm hanging out with the cholos, and, uh, and, and, and they're all passing weed around and beer. And they go, you want a beer? I go, no, I don't drink anymore. I go, well, you don't drink? I go, oh. so I started telling him my testimony. They go, you want some weed? I go, I don't do weed anymore. So I'm, I'm passing the joint around with them and passing the beer like I don't do it, dude. And so this little old lady that used to live right behind the church, she, you know, because I'm loud. I'm a loud person. I was telling jokes and having fun with them just trying to tell them about Jesus and showing them that Christians aren't prudes, you know? And so she comes out and she goes, you boy, settle down. I'm going to call the police on you. And they go, hey, it's the preacher, man. Don't talk about my pastor like that. And I go, Josie, it's Pastor Richard. It's Brother Richard. Oh, make all the noise you want. Okay. And <laughs> so I started ministering to the cholos. And, and then there was this guy in our church that he passed away recently. He's not with Jesus, but um, he had gotten a 600-year sentence in prison, and they let him out after 12 years. It was just a miracle story. So I told this guy, his name was Lincoln, and I go, Lincoln, I want you to share your testimony. So we had had in the Church of God what was called a, a National Day of Prayer for the Lost. And I always thought that was a dumb thing. Oh, we're finally going to pray for the lost one day the whole church. I mean, that's awesome, but I'm like, I pray for the lost every single day. I still do every single day that God save them, that God reach them, and that God use me and our church to reach them. 
So anyway, so we had invited uh, all the cholos, and I invited the cholos, and so they come to church that night, and it was a night service, and about 40 gang members show up to church. Can you imagine 40 gang members walking in? It's nighttime, but they walk in with their mad doggers, and they had their wife beater, wife beater T-shirts, you know, and, and their, their khakis way down here. You know, that's why they call them cholos, because they wear their pants cholo, you know. the <laughs> cholo! No, I'm sorry. Look, all of you cholos in the house, I'm sorry, I'm joking. Calm down, orale, pastor, orale, you know. But anyway, so, so they came to church, and Lincoln shared his testimony, and 24 gang members gave their life to Jesus Christ that night. And they were like, man. <coughs> and and, and I'm, I'm trusting God for the unknown. I'd never been a gangster. I'd never been a gangbanger. Now I'm ministering to these guys, so... And I said, man, if I just had a van, I could take them because I wanted to teach them about restitution. And so there was a company, Wellborn Paint Company. Some of you remember that company. And they donated tons of paint to me. And we started going to businesses and houses. And we wouldn't even ask for permission. We would just paint their house because they were all graffitied. And these guys are painting over their plaques. And their plaques, that's like, that's like taking your diplomas off the wall. Those are plaques for them. They're, that's a, a badge of honor for them. And they were, they were painting over their plaques. And for some of you that remember the South Valley, right there on Vito Romero Road and, and Isleta, there was, a, 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 there was Olivio's Conoco gas station. And right across the street was Castulo's little, uh, you know, market. And uh, so we pulled up to Castulo's place. And, and, uh, but, but I needed a van before that. So I started praying for a van and, and, and where I always got the people say, where'd you get the same? Pray, 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 pray. It's because we never had any money. We didn't have anything. So I had to pray everything in. And I would just pray, 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 pray. And so this man gives me a phone call and he goes, hey, uh, Richard Mansfield. I go, yes, I am. He goes, I heard about you. I live in Austin, Texas. And this lady came through town that happened to go to your church. And she told me about your ministry and the ministry you're doing with the gangs and some of the work you're doing there. I have a car I'd like to donate to you. I go, really? Does it work? He goes, yeah, no, it's a great vehicle. And I go, well, no one, my dad didn't even give me a car. You know, I had to buy my own car. Nobody ever given me a car before. And I'm like, wow. And he goes, yeah. He goes, can you come and pick it up? I go, Austin, yeah, that's about a 10-hour drive. He goes, oh, I can't make you drive that far. I'll tell you what, I'll drive it to Lubbock, and I'll fly back. You fly into Lubbock. I go, orale, pues, you know, so that means, okay. So, so I tell this guy to go with me. His name was David Gallegos. I go, David, go with me, man, to go get the, 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 the vehicle. So I didn't know he had never flown. And I'm like, David, um, I was so amped up. Man, we're going to go get this car. It's a station wagon. I'm going to pack it out and start bringing kids and young people to the church. And, and poor David, I'm talking a million miles an hour the whole flight. It's only a little hour flight. But the whole hour, I'm talking a whole 100 miles an hour. And poor David Gallegos is holding on like this. He's scared to death. <laughs> never flown, you know. So we get there, and as soon as I get off the plane, uh, and I'm walking off, uh, out of the gate, it says, Richard Mansfield, please come to gate three. And I go, Dave, that's me, man, let's go. So we kind of go over there, and, and I kind of run over there, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, so all of a sudden, the, the guy goes, are you Richard? I go, I'm Richard. He goes, I'm Mr. Tatum. 
follow me. The car's outside. If you could do take paper, the paperwork right away, I could catch a plane in 30 minutes. If not, I have to wait three hours or two hours. I go, yeah. So he runs outside, and I'm running outside, and David's running outside. And all I can think in my weird thinking, I think, uh, security, we got a problem. We got two Chicanos chasing down a white man in the parking lot. You know, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> can you imagine that get to the car, we sign the papers, he hands me the keys, goes, God bless you, and he takes off. If he was sitting right here right now, I wouldn't even know, recognize him. I only met him for a few minutes. Next thing I know, I'm holding the keys to a car, and I go, David, let's get in here. How are we going to explain this? But officer, I promise, they gave it to me. They gave it to me. Sure, buddy, you know. So now I had this station wagon, and I was, man, man, we put it all, we, we nicknamed it La Bamba, because I would, I would pack it out. It had the back seat that folded up, if you all remember station wagons. So that thing was packed. I'd put 15 people in a station wagon, man. It was all lowrider, orale, and, you know, so... So next thing you know, David Gonzalez goes, hey, pastor, I, I know this dude selling a bus, man, a little minivan. It's, it used to be for a daycare, so it's a 15-passenger, but it opens a door like a bus. So I went and checked it out. I go, oh, my God, Lord, this is the one you want me to have. I know it. He goes, why are you selling it? He goes, oh, we got a large family, and I bought it from my wife. I figured I was going to convert it into a nice conversion van, but no, she doesn't want a van. She wants a station wagon with the back seat that pulls up. And I go, like, mine? He goes, yeah. I go, let's trade. He goes, yeah. So we traded. I go, God, you're awesome, man. Hear me. God does things we have no clue, but you got to cross the line of the unknown. Some of you, God has burned a vision into you. He's burned a calling. He's burned a ministry. And you don't do it because you're afraid. But what if and what if and what if and what? I just thank God that my wife just said, let's go, Richard. I'm with you. Where you go, I'm going, babe. And she came with me. And man, there was times we were ready to leave. But I'm telling you, God kept us here and God has done an amazing work to New Beginnings Church and to Southside Church of God from the South Valley. So let me ask you this. What is God telling you to do, but the fear of the unknown is stopping you? It's keeping you from doing that. It brings me to the second point, is you've got to cross the line of the impossibilities. The line of the impossibilities. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 and 12. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. Barren means she couldn't have children, and she's too old. She believed that God would keep his promise, because God said, I'm going to give you a baby. And she's there like, orale pues, well, I'm already 90, 90, 90, I'm 90. But then look what it says about her husband. He wasn't like a stud muffin. It says, and so a whole nation came from this one man, her husband, who was as good as dead. Pobrecito. This isn't like, honey, I have a headache. Honey, I don't know if I have a pulse. I don't know if I'm alive. It's like, hello, wake up. But a nation with so many people came like stars in the sky and sand in the uh, seashore. There's no way to count them. So you've got to cross the line of the impossibilities. Look, I'm not going to ask anyone's age here. But let's say that we have a lady here that's 90. 
and all of us know she's 90. And all of a sudden, she comes to church, and she's pregnant out to here. You'd go, orale, Miss Sarah, where have you been? And orale, Adam, Abraham, I mean, Abraham, why, way to go, Abraham. He was a hundred, but he was as good as dead. Everyone knows it. Sarah, were you cheating on Abraham? I'd never cheat on him. Well, he's as good as dead. Some of you are barren. You have not allowed God to impregnate your spirit, impregnate your mind with ideas, with ministry. He has ministry for you, but you refuse. I'm too old. I'm barren. I can't have. I can't do ministry anymore. I'm too old. She was 90. Oh, but I, I can't. I can't. I, my, my dreamer is dead now. My dreamer is dead. I'm just, I'm, I'm just as good as dead. I'm too old. I, you know what? As long as we have breath, God wants to use us for his glory. God wants to use us. God was using us. So all of a sudden, that night, the cholos come into that service. When Lincoln shared his testimony, 40 gang members walk in. They walked in with their chick. All, they were all bad and tough, too. And 24 of them gave their life to Jesus Christ that night. So then, Wellborn Paint gave me the, the paint. And I got the van. And can you imagine pulling up with a van? 24 gang members get out. And now they're gangbangers for Jesus. And they just start taking over a neighborhood and painting over buildings and painting over houses and fences. It was amazing. It was so amazing. We made the front page of the newspaper because they said, do you know what's happening in the South Valley of Albuquerque? The governor at the time was Tony Anaya. Tony Anaya came down and said, Mansfield, we want you on a committee. We're going to form a gang committee. And I was on the very first gang intervention committee in the state of New Mexico at that time. God was doing a work impossible stuff, stuff you can't even think of. Here I needed a van. God gave me a station wagon that turned into a van. And we didn't have tires. The, the, the van needed tires. We didn't even get paid. I didn't get paid. We couldn't afford tires. So the ladies in the church go, Pastor, just buy the material and we'll make tamales and sell tamales. So we sold tamales, and we sold enough tamales to pay off, get brand new tires, change the title on the van, and fill it up, and it was almost to the exact penny. So now we had a van, and we took that ministry van to Chicago. We took it to California. We took it to Texas. We took it all over the place. And then all of a sudden, I blew the motor on the van. And I was like, oh, man, come on, God. We use that van every day. And God said, quit being a crybaby. Yeah, but I am a crybaby. He goes, pray. I am praying. Pray, 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 pray. So I'm in the parking lot of Price Right Grocery Store. Now it's Smith's. I don't know what name it has now, but it was at Atrisco and, and, and Isleta. And that's where our bank was. And I had gone to make a bank deposit, and I'm sitting in the parking lot. And they had a little a chuck wagon there, they would sell burritos, and I bought burrito. I would buy burritos for the ladies at the bank. So I went in there, and hey, burrito man's here, and I gave him all a burrito, and then I went out to the car, and I got my burrito, 
Green chili, chicharron, bean with cheese, orale. Some of you guys, I know what I'm having for lunch. Yeah. So I'm sitting in the parking lot, and I'm, I'm literally, I'm whining to God. I'm going, God, I, I, I really can't believe you let the motor blow. We've taken care of that motor. He goes, it had close to 300,000 miles, but it was a good motor, God. And I'm there being a Yorona crybaby. And all of a sudden, my telephone rings. And I answer the phone, and it's Pastor Jim Wood from Hatch, New Mexico. His daughter used to play the keyboards, and she died of cancer about a year ago. But Jim goes, Richard, I was praying, and I rebuilt. He was a mechanic, and he had rebuilt this motor. It was a brand-new motor. And this lady that had got the job done wrecked her car, and she gave the car back to him. And he goes, that motor only has a 1,000 miles in it. God told me to give it to you. I go, brother, what? Did you know I needed one? My van just blew the motor. He goes, come and get it. So I met him in Socorro. We met at Lada Burger because they had that little drive-through, and, and we used the hoist there to move the motor, and we, we put it in there, lifted the motor. They're going, may we help you? Sure, come and help. I'm not going to buy a hamburger. I just came to get the motor. And so <laughs> good old Lada Burger, baby, and Chicano Ingenuity. How am I going to do this? So... We moved the car out. I pulled my orale. We came and I had a motor now. So I take the motor to David Gonzalez, who had a shop. And I go, David, I got a motor for the van. He goes, Pastor Rich, man, this is a, a Ford van. That's a Chevy motor. I go, I don't care. I don't care. It's a... He goes, no, you, you, don't, you don't understand. To make the changeover is going to be too much of a hassle. I go, ooh, God, I needed, a, I needed a Ford, God. So about that time, Lincoln, his wife comes and says, Pastor, I want to buy the van. I go, well, it's got a blown motor. She goes, oh, you, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, I'm going to buy the van. I go, I can't sell it to you. It's got a blown motor. She goes, here's a check for $1,200. I want to buy the van. I'm not taking no for an answer. She goes, my husband has a motor, and everybody, we got it all taken care of. So I she gave me the $1,200 check. It couldn't have been five minutes. David Krantz walks in. He goes, Pastor, I just found a really awesome van. It's a little bus. It's, it's a school bus converted. It's, you open it like a bus, and, dude, it's awesome. They only want $1,200. I go, orale. So I signed the back of that check. I go, take him this check. So he takes him the check, and he pulls up. We got it at as Mexicano Motors, Mexicano Motors, and... <laughs> so we pull up to the car, and, and it was really nice, but it was running kind of rough. And I go, dude, it's missing, man. We need to get a, a tune-up. And so they're there messing with the carburetor, and they drop a bolt down the carburetor and blows a piston. I go, oh, come on, guys. Come on. But guess what kind of bus it was? A Chevy. I had the motor before I even had the van. I said, orale, we got a brand new motor. We put a brand new, we use that van all over the place. God has a way of making the impossible possible. We started outgrowing the building. We started outgrowing the building. The next thing you know, the pastor at the old church came up to me and he goes, hey man, our church has folded. There's only 14 people left, 16 with my wife and I. 
we want to give you the building. I go, you want to give me the building? Yeah, we want to give it to you. You mean I give it to me? Yeah, it's completely paid for. We want to hand you the keys. Wow. So we moved into the building, man, on Mother's Day of 2004, and it was a glorious time, and and God just started blessing and blessing. We had one service, then two service, then three service, sometimes four service. Man, and it was just an amazing work what God was doing there. And we had gotten it for free, a $2 million building for free. We are like, only God does impossible things like that. So next thing you know, our church, we had outgrown it, and everyone was going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I'm driving down the street one day, and God says, turn in. So I turn into the parking lot here. And God says, I'm going to give you this mall. I go, what? Because that's your new church. I go, really? He goes, yeah, see where it says Grand Central Station? He goes, that was a nightclub, but you're going to turn a nightclub into a light club. And I go, praise the Lord. Now, I had never come in here when it was a nightclub because I'm a Christian and, and I didn't, you know, Cindy and I didn't party and stuff like that. So, but I know a lot of you did because you told me about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pastor, I used to dance. They had a lit up floor and all that. And they had cages and I danced in a cage and I'm there. Too much information, too much information. But all of a sudden, so I called the man that said, for lease. And I call the man. His name was Tom Jones, or his name is Tom Jones. And so I'm thinking, it's not unusual to be loved by anyone. Blah, 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 blah. You know? So I'm calling Tom Jones, orale, man. So I call him up, and I go, hey, uh, I, I, I'd like to buy the building. He goes, Pastor, I, don't, I guess you probably don't understand what lease means. Um, lease means uh, you only rent it. I go, look, I know I'm not, I, I'm not as stupid as I sound, but um, I, I know, but God told me I'm going to get that property, so I want to buy it. Well, they can't just sell one room, thinking he thought I just wanted to buy Grand Central Station. I go, no, I want to buy the whole mall. He goes, well, it's not even for sale. I go, look, either you tell the owners that you work for, or I'll go over your head and I'll tell them. So they came back and they go, I'm sorry. I go, you tell them I'll give them $3.5 million. And he comes back and he goes, they said no. And I said, well, that's their loss. But let me tell you something. God told me that's our property. And he's probably thinking, cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. (laughs) But I said, when you're ready to sell it, call me. I'm interested in buying it. How long does it take to have a baby? Nine months, almost nine months to the day he called me back. God let the owners get impregnated with the idea. They call me back and they go, Pastor, you still want the building? I go, I do. They go, okay, 8 million. I go, 3.5. They go, 7 million. I go, 3.5. They go, 6.5. I go, 3.5. They go, 6 million, I said, 3.5. They go, you're going to have to go higher. Okay, 3.8. They go, no. So they finally came down, they came down, they came down. I didn't go higher. They finally said, look, we won't take it for less than 4 million, so give us a fair price. I go, okay, 4 million. They go, okay. So we bought this whole mall for $4 million. We had an appraisal done. It's already valued at $8 million. We've already doubled our money. And we're almost paid off 
because we sold the building we got for free for two million, two point two. We had to remodel where man, we only owe another two million dollars and we're out of here. I know that's a lot of money in my my world. But let me tell you for God, He's already proven what He's gonna do. We're gonna get to pay this off sooner than not. God is doing amazing things. He's doing amazing things. What's keeping you from crossing the line of impossibilities? In your spirit, you're saying that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that Cindy and I came out here having a newborn baby, and I left insurance, and I left a retirement, and I left a good salary for no salary, no insurance. We didn't have insurance for the first three or four years. And Cindy had to go to work where they gave insurance. We've paid some prices. But God has been glorified through the process. And he continues to be glorified. I got to be here all day, but I got I to gotta finish. Somebody over there held up their watch. Yeah, I got cut it. I want a chicharron, green chili, burrito. <laughs> Look, the, th- the third line we have to cross is the line of the instant feedback. The pat on the back. Everyone wants to be patted on the back. Everyone wants a pat on the back. Yesterday, Pastor Chuck and Tomas and Renee and Chris and Sonia all went to the prison in Grants to minister. All of them are ex-felons. They're not even supposed to let them back in the prisons, but the prisons asked us, please send them to us. Because God is using them so supernaturally. I mentioned David Gonzalez. I mentioned David Krantz. I mentioned Lincoln. I haven't mentioned some names, and some people are going to get hurt. God, why didn't you mention me? I've been there long. I've been there just as long as them. I done, I, you know what? I'm not trying to glorify anyone, but I'm just saying you and I might not get a pat on the back, but I'm telling you, Jesus is taking a record, and he knows everything you've done for his glory. He knows everything. There's some of you that sponsored a food basket and you've sponsored it for families you know and there's some that you just sponsored it for any family. And if you could have seen the people but I haven't said your name, you know what? God knows your name. He's got it written in his book and he's saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Too many times we want the pat on the back. Look what it says in verse 13 and 14. All these people died still believing that God had to that what God had promised. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. Some of us won't even get to see the fullness of this. I might die before I get to see this church have to even relocate from here. But let me tell you something. God is doing a work, and we might not get a pat on the back, but in the name of Jesus, we're going to do it for his glory, and we're going to change this city, and we're going to see God glorified. Amen? And that brings me to the last thing. we got to cross the line of the pull of the world. The world has a way of pulling you back. 
Ah, you're going to church. Ay, 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 you're all church goer now. Oh, oh, excuse me, Mr. Holy, Miss Holy. You know what? I might not be holy yet, but I'm telling you, I'm a lot holier than I was yesterday. And maybe not as holy as I will be tomorrow. But we are on a journey, amen? And though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. God has a word. The world's trying to pull you back. It's trying to pull you back into your sin, right into the filth again. Don't say yes. I'm sick and tired of burying people from drug overdoses. I'm sick and tired of burying people that have been murdered because they put themselves in bad situations. And some, (coughs) they weren't in a bad situation, but someone that was all messed up took their life. We might be pulled in many different directions, but I'm telling you, if God be for us, no one could be against us. Look what it says right there in verse 16, or in Hebrews 11. If they had longed for the country, if they had longed for the country that they came from. Oh, I'm starting at 15. I'm sorry. I told them 16. They could have come back. They could have come back. They could have gone back any time. I almost went back. There was times that Cindy and I couldn't take it. They did five drive-by shootings at my house. They did three drive-by shootings at our church. It was a broken time. It was a time of brokenness. It was hard. It was time Cindy goes, I can't take it anymore, Richard. I can't. She'd start packing, and I would unpack her. No, really. You guys think it's, I'm not exaggerating. She had the suitcase. She'd get clothes, put it in. As she'd go back to get more, I'd get that one and put it back up. And she did that with me a few times because I said, God, I thought I heard you to come here, and I can't. My family might get killed. We might get killed, God. And God said, hang in there, hang in there. Don't give up, don't give up. Don't go back, hold on. And look, look what God has done. God, look what God has done. We celebrate his goodness. Now verse 16, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. He's prepared a city for us. I'm telling you, God is for us, and God is not against us, and God is doing a work, and God is wanting to birth a ministry, a calling, a purpose in your life, but the fear of the unknown has crippled you. The fear of the unknown has held you back from moving forward. The fear of the unknown is keeping you from moving forward. And today, in the name of Jesus, I say, step out, step in, and see the wonder of God. Don't be held back by fear anymore. Don't be held back by the unknown. You're like, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Guess what? I still don't know a lot of stuff. But in the name of Jesus, I put my hand in his and I said, where you lead, I will follow, Lord. And God has not let us down yet, has he? And he won't let you down. And what's the impossible things that are holding you back? What are the things that are saying, you know what? I, 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 I don't know what's happening. What's going on? I'm confused. 
God, it's impossible. I can't do this. And God is saying, not only can you do it, I'm going to do it through you. And he's saying, I'm going to do it for my glory. And some of you are waiting for the pat on the back. You're waiting to be recognized. And you might never be recognized. But I'm telling you, God knows everything you've done, and he knows everything you're doing, and he is saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. And when you finally walk through heaven, he's going to say, I notice. Look at the mansion you just got. But some of you have been sucked back by the world, and you've been pulled back in. And today God is saying, rise up, O man of God. Rise up, O woman of God. Because I'm giving you a new calling. So in the name of Jesus, I invite you to come to the altar today as a symbol of crossing those lines. Cross the line of the unknown and say, you know what, Lord? I know you're calling me to ministry. I know you're calling me to get involved in this church. I know you're calling me to really start this kind of outreach. I know you're calling me. I know you're calling me. But in the name of Jesus, cross the line. Step out right now and cross the line of the unknown and say, Lord, I might not know how to do it, but I'm going to trust you all the way. And some of you are needing to trust God for the impossible. Because it's overwhelming and you're saying, I don't even know how I'm going to do it. I didn't know how we were going to do it. I had a newborn baby. I just did what I had to do. I had three part-time jobs. And I was going to college. I was going to school. But you know what? God never let us down. And he never let you down. So today I invite you to rise up. Everyone stand. Stand to your feet. And if you need prayer and you need to cross the line of the unknown and you need to cross the line of the impossibilities and you need to cross the line of the instant feedback and the pat on the back and if you need to cross the line of the pull of the world in the name of Jesus, rise up, O man of God. Rise up, O woman of God. And come forward. Amen. Sing this out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Sing it out to his glory. Sing it out. Join us as we sing it. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated. The breach was far too wide. From the far side of the cast, you held me in your sight. So you made a way across the great divide, left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. And there at the cross, you paid. The dead I hold broke my chains, freed my soul for the first time I had hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank 
What a joy to let God minister to us, amen? To let God speak deep into our hearts. Listen to me. I don't know what it is God birthed in your life, but cross the line of fear and say, God, as for me and my house, we're going to serve you. We're going to do it. It doesn't even make sense, God. We don't have the resources. We don't have the education. We don't have the ability But God will prepare you and will carry you to areas that you have no idea. So let him do it. Let him do it. I pray that God will take you beyond the instant feedback, the instant pat on the back. And though no one might say anything here on earth, God is saying, oh, look at my baby girl. Look at my son. I'm so proud of what you're doing. So live it out to God's glory. 
As for me and my household, we will move forward. No more turning back. Amen? We love you, church. God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving. See you Wednesday night for our Thanksgiving service. Be blessed. Tell someone you love them on the way out.